Eddie, welcome back. Um, Thanks, Bernie. Hope you've had a good day. It's been very wintry t- uh, today. There's a snowy scene outside. I, I put a photo on Facebook of the snow, Eddie. Um, yeah, very cold here. Yeah, I think you in the UK and, and Austria, we, we don't have two dissimilar weather patterns. When it's cold here, it tends to get cold and wintry there as well to, to a lesser degree. But um, um, yeah, they, I think it started snowing about five this morning. And it did about two inches of snow, so it's looking pretty wintry, which is great. Yeah, it's, yeah. I've got my snow well, t- snow tires on the car if ever I need to drive anywhere, Eddie, so that's a useful thing as well. <laughs> They've got quite a bit. I was talking to my friend who lives in Colorado, where you were. Oh, yeah. Um, I was talking to her last night, and she's... Um, uh, I've got to talk to her again later today and tell her about you and the places that <clears throat> that you used to call on yeah in her yeah and she was saying it's there's it's quite snowy there now yes uh, but at least it put the the main fire out which was at cameron peak and that was over two hundred thousand acres good god yeah that's fire. a huge fire isn't it yeah that's yeah. lucky then isn't it that the snow and the cold weather at least dampened yeah. the flames but yeah this yeah, is right. so i'll be chatting to her probably later on Okay, and we'll tell her a bit more about you and what you're doing. And yeah, uh, please do. They've and got, they've got quite a lot of snow at the moment. Yes, that 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 would be in keeping with uh, that part of the world. They do tend to get it uh, a little yeah. bit before we do in Europe. And um, um, yeah, so I'd, I'd be interested. You know, the places that I used to go to, as you may remember, Eddie was Vale, Breckenridge, Steamboat Springs. Yeah. Uh, Aspen, um, those were the main ones in Colorado. Uh, oh, and Telluride. Um, Telluride was a quite a fascinating place, Eddie. It was like a cowboy town. Oh, uh, yeah. And people very often would arrive in the town like cowboys on horseback, and then they get their skis, and off they would go, get on the ski lift, and they'd be off skiing. It's quite something. And I, I love... Did, did you ever go to a place called Walden? No. They had a rodeo there. Ah. Like a, like a, a local rodeo show. Okay. And I, I went, and it was amazing. It, it, was, it, it was like um, a western town, and there was a bar on one side of the street and a bar on the other side of the street. And the night before, they'd had a big fight in the middle of the street between the, the guys from one bar <laughs> and the guys from the other <laughs> bar. And... Uh, Fortunately, when we got there, it all finished, so it was, so it was all right. It yeah. was quite safe, but it was a, a hell of a place, and the rodeo was fascinating. Yeah, I'd never been to one before. Um, no, I got very close to being to a very, very major one, Eddie, um, in Calgary, the Calgary Stampede. In, oh yeah. In Canada, um, yes, that would I I I got very close to going there, and I didn't actually end up going there. For one reason or another but um uh you know these events or at least up in calgary i don't know if you know that area of alberta um eddie but it's so flat i mean you know you'd think well good god uh, what do people do you know it's so inter- uh, uninteresting and boring landscape that no wonder they they have to put on events to cheer themselves up a bit <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that was um, <laughs> that was the Calgary Stampede. But um, yeah, uh, Eddie, um, I'm pleased that we're back um, together on air again now, and um, hope you can yeah. hear me loud and clear. One thing is with this microphone, it is a, a studio quality mic, and and at least you can hear me hopefully in HD. And and I, I'm hoping that the sound today on Anchor will will be a better one than we had with um, what did we have last time? Skype. Uh, and yeah. before that, it was WhatsApp, which wasn't that great. But uh, Eddie, um, could please go ahead and um, you know tell me about yeah. your Royal Marines days. Oh well, yes. The those days I was working um, when I left the, when I left grammar school uh, at the age of 16 and a half yeah. um, I had a job then as a business trainee in Bradford with in Bradford Yorkshire mm. uh, with Hoover Limited and uh, I was waiting then to go into to be called up for the services yeah military and um so I worked in, and I used to travel every day on a double-decker bus from Harrogate to Bradford, which was like uh, about 20 miles. It yeah. was number 19 bus. Mm. And another guy and myself, we'd meet every day on the back seat of the upstairs bus, of the upstairs of the bus. And we would sing all the way from Harrogate to Bradford. Yeah. And how the hell we didn't get thrown off the bus sometimes, I don't know, because <laughs> we just sat there singing our heads off, you know. Anyway. Eventually came the time when I had to go and sign up for the military. Yeah. And there was a, 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 an office in, uh, in Bradford, not far from Ivergate, where I worked. So I went in my lunchtime. Right. And uh, this, um, this army sergeant was there and he said, uh, okay, he said, uh, what, what do you want to go into? So I said, well, I'd rather fancy going in the Navy. So, which I did at that time, I fancied ships, although mm. since then I've discovered that I'm always seasick, so that would have been a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he said, uh, he said, there are no vacancies for the Navy at the moment, but he said, why don't you go in the Marines? So I said, what's the Marines? And I honestly had never heard of the Marines at that time. No. And he said, well, the Marines are a branch of the Navy. <clears throat> He said, and they serve on ships. So he said, you'll go to sea on, on board ships. So I said, that sounds fine to me. So he said, okay, we'll put you down for Royal Marines. Yeah. And, so, and Eddie, can so I just I ask you, um, if I can just interrupt quickly, uh, what year was this approximately? Can you remember? 1956. 1956. Great. Thank you. Long, long, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and as a, as a matter of fact, I put a picture on from 1956 onto Facebook this morning oh. of the skiffle group that I had that I formed then, and I've had quite a few replies from guys. I thought we would all be dead and buried by now. <laughs> quite a few ex-Royal Marines have been in touch with me saying, "I remember that skiffle group. I remember being there. I was oh, so great, you. great. Which I'm going to have a look at that later on tonight, Eddie. I'm going to look up. Yeah. I'll yeah. give you. I'll give anyway. you a like." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, so then I signed up, and that would be that would be about May, I think May June, mm. and um, 
I was living, as I say, I was living in Harrogate, so I carried on working with Hoover Limited. Then I got my papers to go to the Marines. Yeah. On, I had to go on August the 6th. And in with the papers, there was um, a postal order for my rail fare and for my rail ticket. Yeah. And to, to go from Harrogate in West Yorkshire to the Commando Training Centre at Limpston in, in Devon, mm -hmm. the fare was four shillings. Whoa. That's that... 20p in this money. Yeah. <laughs> Great value. <laughs> I mean, that's... When you think back to it now, it's just totally incredible. Yeah. You know, so... In the days of so pound, shillings and pence, we, we remember exactly. it well. Yeah. 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 So I, I got my ticket, and on the morning that I was due to go, um, my, my mother and I, my mother and father wanted to see me off, obviously. Yeah. So we went to the railway station in Harrogate. Well, my mother and I went to the railway station in Harrogate, and my father, who had a business in the town, he came and joined us. Mm. And uh, we waited for this train to come. <clears throat> and when the train pulled in at the platform, it had actually come from the north of England. And it was a down train to, it was going to Bristol. Yeah. Where I would have to change at Temple Meads mm. to, get, to get a train then down to Limpston in Devon. Right. Anyway, so this train pulled in. And there were all these young guys looking out of the window and drinking bottles of beer and looks as if they were having a whale of a time. Mm -hmm. And they'd obviously been on the train from Yorkshire down yeah. to, from, um, from the north, sorry, mm. um, Newcastle, that area, and come all the way down to Harrogate, stopped off and picked a few of us up. Wow. So I, so, um, I, gave, I gave my mother a hug. And I gave my father a very embarrassed peck on the cheek. Um, and this crowd of guys all went, whoa, they're all <laughs> cheering and banging on the window. So I, just <laughs> my so I got in the train and, and there were lots of ribald comments, you know. Yeah. And, and I sat there, I didn't say much. And it, I, I began to realize they were RAF guys. They were going in to join in the RAF. Ah. So eventually one of them said to me, where are you going? So I said, I'm going to Limpston. They said, oh, what's, what's at Limpston? I said, the commando training center. Oh, bloody hell. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> no more, no more jokes about this guy. And, all that, you know. and I said, I'm not, I haven't done my training yet. You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> so this, we set off on this train, eventually long, long journey to got to Temple Meads at four in the morning. Mm. At, uh, sorry, not Temple Meads. What's the station in Bristol? Um, I only know sorry. Temple Meads. Yeah, well, there's one outside Bristol as well. Oh. Um, it's Parkway. Oh. Oh. oh, yes, Parkway. I remember the name. I've never been to that station, Eddie. Well, you haven't missed anything. All it is literally a platform on either side. There's no waiting room, no facilities, uh -huh. nothing. And I got there at four in the morning, tired out, and I had to wait then for three hours, four hours, whatever it was, for the next train to take me to Limston. Oh, God. So, um, so off, 
eventually the train came and I got on board. Lots of other guys who were obviously going to the same place. Mm. But when we got to Limston and there were um, trucks, three-ton trucks waiting to take us from the railway station to the camp. Right. So when we got there, uh, we were lined up with our little suitcases and so on. And then we were ushered into a place where we were fitted out with the uniform. And then straight away in the afternoon, we were taken out and shown the, the commando course, mm-hmm. the commando assault course. And I said, you know, do we have to do this? Because I'm going on board ship. <laughs> and this sergeant said, no, you're not. Not if you're here. If you've been sent here, said you're going to commando training school. <laughs> and I said, well, I haven't really wanted to be a commando, but if you insist. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they took and showed us around the commando course. And I said to the guy that I was walking along with, I said, I'll be gone in two days. I said, I will not survive this course no. more than two days. Anyway, it's amazing what you can do. And eventually, yeah. I, did, I passed the commando course. A lot of them didn't. A mm. lot of them were sent back to other regiments. Yeah. Um, so we got through that. And then uh, then it was, um, I had to go from there to a place called Bickley. It, it was six weeks at Limston. And then I had to go to Bickley, which was like an, an intensive commando course. Mm. That was for... For the real commandos. Yeah, kind so of SAS was, style, yeah. I suppose, Eddie. Was it like an SAS type standard? Yeah. yeah. yeah oh, yes, yeah, very much so. Mm. And uh, it was it was tough. It was really, really was tough. And again, a lot of them didn't survive it. Then that was another six weeks there. And then they said, okay, units now. Um, and... Um, they pinned the notice upon the board. And at that time, we were fighting the AOKA terrorists in Cyprus. And uh, I looked on the board and it said, Marine Blackstone, Cyprus, 40 Commando, Cyprus. And that's so, that was, that's where I went mm. on New Year's Day, 1956. Wow. Um, on, board a, on board a troop ship. We stopped off at Malta and the various Gibraltar and various other places. And then we got to Cyprus and it was a whole different ball game then because whereas before it had been quite nice and relaxed and everybody was having a good time and all that. Yeah. Now you suddenly realize that these people that are here are, are trying to kill us, you know. I know. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And they were successful on many occasions. Yeah. Um, so I was in, um, uh, in Paphos, first of all, which is now is a, it's a lovely holiday resort. Mm. And in fact, my son Mark had a, an apartment there for four years. Ah. He lived there for four years. And, and yeah, he lived there for, yeah, four years. Mm. And, but now it's, as I say, it's a holiday, where, but whereas in those days, you, you didn't, you couldn't just walk out in the street, otherwise you'd be likely to get shot at. Yeah. You know? um, so, and that was Paphos. And then from Paphos, we went to 
uh, up into the Turos Mountains mm. to a place called Platrus. And uh, while we were there, I was searching a village one day and uh, hanging up behind the door was a guitar. So I finished up buying this guitar for a bar of soap and it's in a beans. <laughs> Having no idea of what was what I was going to do with it because I, you know, I'd never had a guitar before. No. Although my father had tried to get me to learn to play the piano, but I, I just wasn't good enough. No. Um, but I thought, well, maybe I can plonk on the guitar. So I took the guitar on, and one more, I was on guard duty one night, and I went into the guardhouse for a cup of tea, and the, the radio was on. And I said, who the hell's that? Who's that singing? And they said, oh, it's some guy called Lonnie Donegan. Uh-huh. So I said, oh, that's for me. Yeah. So I then listened to everything that Donegan had done. And like a lot of other people, <clears throat> became uh, very influenced by, by Donegan and his style of playing at that time. Mm. And I formed, the, uh, I formed the Skiffle Group. And um, we got like, we finished up with about six of us in the Skiffle Group. And we used to go all over the island. Right. When we were off entertaining the, entertaining the, the Marines who were doing the real stuff you know yeah and so that was we had a, our own show on forces broadcasting we used to drive in a three-ton truck 30 uh, 60 miles from the mountains down into nicosia mm-hmm. to the radio station and we would do a show on a sunday afternoon yeah. and then drive back again in the evening and uh i always remember the co once said to me uh at blackstone how is it I never see you carrying a rifle, but I always see you carrying a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <clears throat> they actually they actually liked it, I think, a lot. And we did some shows. Ronnie Hilton, who you may or may not remember. The name he, he had a few number one hits. Uh, and he was a bit of bit of a star. He came out with a, a girl singer called Lita Rosa. And, they, and she used to sing with the Ted Heath Orchestra. Mm-hmm. They came out and did a, did a show in the marquee for, for Forty Commando. And uh, the barman at the officer's mess told him about me and the skipper group. And he came and found me and he said, will you play on the show tonight? So I said, well, yeah. Never having played anything like that before. Mm. So we did it. And that was, that was the start of my thinking, you know, this is what I'd like to do. Yeah, you, you, you were back in your comfort zone, Eddie, and it's quite yeah. quite an achievement actually that you mastered the training course and, and you know and the kind of soldier aspect of a of a of a commando. And um, you did that. I mean you, you certainly didn't sound like you failed in that respect. You actually passed and many didn't. And then slowly but surely I suppose your commanding officers or whatever their titles were, they, they suddenly realized, well, Eddie and his pals, they're providing entertainment and they're doing it well yeah. and people seem to enjoy them. And and yeah. is it, it, it's the same as, well, no, it's not quite the same as Vera Lynn, but 
Um, it's an important part of, of keeping the morale up, Eddie, isn't it? It was, a, it was definitely a, a morale booster for the guys. Yeah. Um, because we would do stuff that they knew that they could sing along with and you'd get, you know, you may maybe only have 30, 40 guys uh, who are out on a bivouac mm. in sleeping roof, sleep, sleeping in the snow. And so you go and play for them and they'd all sing their heads off at these songs that they knew. And, and it was, you know, you could feel that it was doing some good. Yeah. But we, we only did that, you know, we might do one of those every 10 days. Mm. The rest of the time we were doing the, what commando's supposed to do, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, jump, um, jump over, uh, crawl under uh, obstacle courses and jump over this and swing on that and... God, yeah, you... yeah. Well, so... a lot of it was a lot, a lot of it was infiltration. Mm. Uh, we used to dress up as locals and melt into the into the scenery and try and go and find out what they what the AOK terrorists were up to ah. and where they were, you know. So, which that was quite hairy. I bet. Because that, you know, that was uh, if they if they caught if they caught us. That would have been finished, you know. That's that's mm. right the end. Yeah. The end. But we knew that. We knew that's what it had to be. Um, um, Eddie, are those terrorists? Because I wasn't aware. Uh, although in the back of my mind, I do, I do, I do remember that there were problems with Cyprus and various other yeah. islands. Um, are those terrorists still around these days? You know, like the IRA are in Ireland, or no, no. No, no, the, the island, Cyprus is, is, is separated. You've got the Greek side mm. and the Turkish side. And the, the Turks were on our side, if you like, whereas we were the Aoka terrorists who were led by a fellow called George Grievous. Mm -hmm. um, they, were, they were Greek. And the other head of the terrorist organization was a fellow called Archbishop Makarios. Oh, I remember and, him. Yeah, he was. He um, had the big headdress, didn't he? Exactly. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. So that's who they were. Makarios was behind the scenes, encouraging the terrorists. Yeah. And George Grievous, I had the utmost respect for George Grievous, although he was on the opposite side. Uh, he was just a. Uh, a, a, a very, very, I don't know what the word is, very together soldier. Mm. He was a military man through and through, and he did it right for, for them, you know? Yeah. Uh, and in fact, there's a memorial to him in Paf, just in Paphos now. And when I, I went and stayed with my son Mark over there about 10 years ago, and we went and saw all those places. Yeah, yeah. And we also went, to, uh, there was a place called Kuklia, which is a little village that we used to go and do a police station guard. So four of us would go for a week, stay at the, in the police station, guarding the, the police who were in the station. Oh. And, uh, and when, we, when I went over to stay with Mark, we went back there, up to Kuklia in the mountains, and it was exactly the same. Mm. Exactly. It didn't change. The bullet holes that were on the back wall where they tried to shoot us one night, yeah. they were still there. They left wow. Holes there. Blimey. And 
we went into the the, the, the local police sergeant brought um, brought the the head man of the village down to meet us. Yeah. This is Mark and my son Mark and and his wife and me. And they came down and met us. And they took us up to the village where the old men were sat drinking coffee. Mm. And I had had a photograph of a load of kids, young kids, me kneeling down, I've got a rifle on my shoulder and a huge bag of sweets. And I'm holding this bag of sweets, and the kids are dipping into the bag. Yeah. <clears throat> this bag of sweets. Now, so I took this photograph, and the, the head man was taking it round the table, showing these guys, these old men. And all of a sudden, one of them jumped up, and he's, he's pointing at this picture, and he's saying, me, 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 me. <laughs> and he was one of the little boys. Wow. Fancy that. And, uh, just amazing. I mean, yeah. just, just totally amazing. Mm. And that that was in uh, that was Cooklier. Yeah, Cooklier. So I say that was about ten years. In the, and uh, after Cooklier, we went to. Uh, um, sorry, after Limit, after Patfoss, mm. we, we went then back to Malta, and uh, we were training then for the Suez crisis. Ah. Which was looming, mm. and the, the Suez was on the sixth of November, nineteen fifty-six, and we trained for that on an area of beach, which was a very similar beach to the beach at Port Said. Mm. And when we eventually went to to do the landings. The, the the beach was in fact the same depth. The water was the same depth. They really done the homework, and we and we did the beach landings there at, at Suez at Port Said. Wow. Which was probably of all my time in the Marines, that was probably the scariest time. Mm. Because the you know these guys, these Egyptians were not messing about. They were, yeah. they were really going for it. In fact, we. We lost quite a few guys that day. Really? On, on the first day in particular, yeah. God. So, and we were there for, uh, 40 Commander were only there for two weeks, and then we came back to Malta. Uh, when, we got, when we got to Malta, we had some time off, and we were greeted like heroes by, with the Maltese people. Mm. We went there's a place in Malta called the Gut, which is where the, all the bars are. That I don't suppose they call it the Gut anymore, but that's what, <laughs> that's what the Marines called it anyway. Yeah. All the bars down there, you could hardly buy a drink. You walk down there and, as, a, as a Marine, and you know, they're just the people just were amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so and that that was. Uh, that was Malta, and then after I'd had that sort of PR time in Malta, if you like, I got, um, well, I flew home for Christmas. They flew me home with um, 30 others on an old Dakota. Ah. Uh, they picked out 30 people who they thought had had a particularly rough time in Cyprus, and they flew us home for a break, for a two-week Christmas break. Oh, that's great. 
yeah, so we flew home and I spent that two weeks with the family and friends and it, that was terrific. Yeah. And then back again, back out to Malta and from Malta back to Cyprus again. Mm. Back into the into the Trudos Mountains, snow warfare and uh, yeah. Yeah. And the, so then, then I left, uh, flew home um, and took up life as if nothing had happened. Amazing, Eddie. Um, as, a, as I said, I've discovered several chapters of your, of your life that I wasn't aware of at all. So this is another one. Um, yeah. And um, no, hat, hat off to you, Eddie, because, you know, that is something that a lot of people, and they'd probably be quite pleased that they weren't involved. But I mean, to be involved with the military and, and have a risky job like you had, and come back in one piece, um, you know, it, it's quite something. And it certainly must have stood you in very good stead, Eddie, you know, as, as you went f forward in life with whatever you did. Uh, Just to, as, as a, a little anecdote to that military episode, um, <clears throat> my best friend at the time was a guy called Jim Overton, Jimmy Overton. Mm. <coughs> And um, he eventually became quite a star in the Harrogate area. He used to do the Jimmy O show, and he was very well known. Mm. But when I was in the Marines, he was two years older than me, but he, he didn't go in the services. So when I, when I came out, we were doing like a duo, working as a, as a duo. Mm. And, and it was quite successful. And my dad used to play the piano for us occasionally. Mm. But prior to that, when I came home from Cyprus, um, my dad paid for Jimmy and I to go for a week's holiday at Butlins at Filey for me to recover from my terrible ordeal. <laughs> oh. oh, that's <laughs> nice, Dad. <laughs> However... I could have done with another holiday after the week at Butlins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. I we can in imagine. A, in the next chalet to ours was a pair of young ladies. And oh my God. You know, I mean, it was just incredible. We just had a, a wonderful, incredible time. Yeah, I bet you did. Oh, cracky, Eddie. I mean, <laughs> perfect, perfect. Um, and and where was that Butler? I only know Butlins in Minehead. Where was where was that one that you went to? That was at Filey. Filey in, in Yorkshire. Okay, I wasn't aware. Is that on the coast, Eddie, or is it? Uh... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's still still going. F I L E Y. Oh right. And when we were when we were there, Jimmy never, Jimmy Overton never let me forget this. When we were there, I entered a competition was called the golden voice of Butlins, <laughs> and i won so i'm now the golden voice of Butlins. come the day when they're going to present the prizes so they call me up the golden voice of Butlins, eddie blackstone so i get up now go to the front and this red coat gave me the smallest cup you've ever seen in your life <laughs> tiny, tiny little thing and it said on it Golden Voice of Butlins, 1957. <laughs> and the red coat turned round and kissed Jimmy. 
She didn't kiss me. She kissed Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> she got the name mixed up, did she? <laughs> But he never, he'd never let me forget that. No. He died He died just recently. And oh. uh, even up until the end, if ever, whenever I saw him, it was always, she kissed me, she didn't kiss yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> Funny how you remember these things, isn't it? Or some people remember those things. No. Yeah. Very, very good. And a lot of acts didn't, a lot of acts that became successful um, came, well, they did the circuit, didn't they? They did the Butlins holiday camps. Status quo yeah. springs to mind. Francis Rossi and Rick Parfit um, and their band. Um, I think they came, you know, via Butlins into stardom and had a hit record. And they, you know, they'd never looked back since. But um, oh, yeah. I had a wonderful time on the some of the Butlins circuits mm. that we did. Which we did with the Lee brothers. We did Skegness, Minehead, uh, Filey, uh, Clapton, you know, and they were great, great summer seasons. And it was five months' work, you know. Yeah, terrific. Which was, which was yeah, it was great. Um, Eddie, um, I was an amateur musician. Um, well, you know, Silver Birch and Patches and what have you. And... Uh, on one occasion, well, thank you, thank you. Um, on one occasion, Eddie, we we did something that I wasn't used to, was the Webbington Country Club in oh, yeah. near Western Supermare or Clevedon, I think it was. And um, this was Silver Birch, and you know, I just joined the band actually, and I was still re you know learning the the keyboard parts to their songs, and and. Um, I found it quite difficult because we were on the stage and everybody was sitting down having their chicken in a basket and they yeah. expected to be entertained and they expected the group on stage to look happy, to, you know, uh, play with enthusiasm. And I had my chord sheet, my, my cheat sheet, if you like, um, uh, stuck on my keyboard. So I kept looking down and... Um, you know, one part of me was saying, look up, look at the audience if you can, you know, <laughs> smile. <laughs> it was really quite tough. But thankfully, I was in the back, if you like, next to the drummer, Andy. Um, Brian and Nigel were, and Chris were out front. And um, they gave it all they had, of course. And uh, that was good training. And it, it gave me a kind of an idea what it must be like, Eddie, to play in front of a seated audience every night. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yes, it's... It is um, for me. That was the best, the best sort of audience to have. Mm. I mean, eventually, eventually, I went and I was resident compere at the uh, um, a club called Darrell's Club in Manchester, which was um, eventually became the Golden Garter, which was the biggest nightclub in the north of England, and we seated seventeen hundred people. Oh, so uh, it, was, it was huge. Mm. And we had big in the in those days. People probably don't don't know the names today, but people like Jackie Trent and Tony Hatch. Oh yeah, and, and uh, Les Dawson, my old mate Les, mm. Freddie Freddie Parrotface Davis. Oh, All yeah. these people in those days were big big stars. Yes, and I used to, I couldn't I couldn't wait to get to work at night because it was always packed. And providing you knew what you were doing, mm. you couldn't go wrong, you know. Oh, and that, wonderful. 
was this, that was always the sort of audience. Yeah. Your cameras on. <clears throat> yeah, um, that was just um, a little message that came up on the phone, Eddie, that said, uh, your battery is low. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. <laughs> We've had that problem before, and I still don't <coughs> learn my lesson. Um, the reason why I didn't charge it this time was I was thinking, well, we're going to do it on Anchor or Zoom, and therefore use the laptop, which is always permanently on charge. Um, so apologies for that, Eddie. Uh, we've got 36 minutes, which is good. Um, and I think I think you covered the marine section pretty well. Um, yeah, I think so, yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, I might be just thankful to have what I've got for the, for for the for this moment in time, and then, um, in fact, what I think we recorded on Eddie, uh, we recorded actually on um, Messenger. Um, I thought it was Anchor, but I think it's Messenger. So it's the Facebook, uh, uh, you know, uh, phone contact that we used in the end, which we haven't used because we've used WhatsApp, we've used Skype. Now we're now we're trying out the Facebook. It, um, quality is about the same as um, as Skype. I think it's possibly slightly better than WhatsApp, but um, I'm learning all the time. Um, Eddie, uh, what's um, what is your plan in terms of what else is there to talk about? Because uh, we can always hook up again later on today or or tomorrow. But yeah. uh, um. I've just let me scan quickly scan my notes, see if anything springs to mind. Yeah. Um, no, we've covered the covered when I was in the rustic in Colorado. We did we cover that? Yeah, we yes, we did, Eddie, and the trout trout farms yeah. and that's right, yes. Yeah, I think we've we've covered most things. The youth club and the cypress and yeah. Mm. I mm. think we've got most of it. Um, so um, we can we can do uh, a, you know a condensed episode two or three episodes. I think that would cover your story, Eddie, wouldn't it? Quite well. Yeah, um, okay. Um, and um, should there be anything else that you'd like to mention? Pete used to come back with these things after we'd finished our recording and he said oh i forgot to mention this and i should have mentioned that so <laughs> I, I i did some separate recordings with him uh, once when he was here which is always best because the quality is better uh and once when he was in england and, and we did a, a similar thing to what we're doing now so um i think um i'll say thanks for today eddie for that uh yeah. 40 oh, minutes by the, way, by the way just before you go mm. um i spoke to Pete Lamb yesterday at the recording studio in Devizes. Oh, right. And uh, because he's uh, the girl that sings in his band, I think I may have told you she's rec recorded one of my songs, I Remember Christmas. Oh, yes, I've seen and it on Facebook, yeah. Yeah, and she's got it on YouTube as well. And he was really chuffed because it had 250 odd hits in a very short space of time. Anyway, yeah. I spoke to him on the phone yesterday, and I told him about you. Mm. Uh, he said, "Oh, fascinating!" So you know, he doesn't—it's not like completely stranger. If he did want to call him up sometime, I will. Or, or message him or whatnot. Yeah. He said he'd be 
pleased to hear from you. Well, that's great, Eddie. Thanks for that introduction. And I, I, I did intend, and I will call him up. Um, I've seen his name so many times on your Facebook postings, and I realised that he's the studio guy, and and uh, yeah. it'll be nice to have a chat with him. And you know, I'll probably give him a call. I think just to yeah, sort well, of. Yeah. He knows, he knows you now, so there oh, you that's that's great, Eddie. Thanks ever so much for that. And um, I wish you what day are we today? Thursday. Wish you uh, uh, a great Thursday. And um, I'll probably talk to you again tomorrow, Eddie, just to catch up and finally decide how we're going to do the editing yeah. and how we all fit it all back together again and and make one big episode or two two smaller ones or three smaller ones. Um, thanks very much indeed. I'm going to press on the stop record button. You will still be able to speak because that's something separate. So I'm stopping recording okay. now.